0: Hi, welcome back to the How To Eat Alone podcast with me, Julia Georgialis. I'm a baker and I write about food. This podcast discusses issues surrounding loneliness, solitude and solo dining. In it, I talk to different people about various aspects of being alone. Every episode comes with a recipe based on a meal that we've discussed during the show and each of these recipes are designed to be cooked by one person and one person only because... Most recipes are written for two or more people, which is a bit annoying for the solo cook. The idea is that you can cook along whilst you listen to this podcast if you do find yourself alone. Think of this podcast as your dining buddy. In the pursuit of trying to get to the bottom of what loneliness and aloneness are, I think I've employed two different tactics to try and do this. One is to ask for people's subjective opinions and experiences of being alone, which are all valid. And the other is to kind of look at loneliness in an objective way. So as a subject in itself that can be studied, you know, without judgment. And so far from a more objective perspective, I've spoken to a psychotherapist and a psychologist on this podcast about loneliness and what loneliness means in their respective disciplines. But one subject that crosses paths with psychology and also psychotherapy is philosophy. And the philosophy of loneliness is one that has been largely ignored, even by philosophers themselves. Now, you might wonder why is that so important? But philosophy is a really valuable discipline for humanity. Philosophers are people who, from the beginning of the kind of conscious times if you can call them that have been mulling over human problems and trying to find solutions to them really philosophy teaches us how to observe things that might be going on in our communities and societies and you know we're currently living through what has been called an epidemic of loneliness so it kind of seems only natural that philosophy would look at this subject seeing as philosophy looks at everything really from maths to sexuality to art um to happiness you know but but this isn't really the case when it's come to the philosophy of loneliness in in recent years if philosophers aren't philosophizing on it then like where are the rest of us supposed to start from this podcast episode's guest axel seaman is a philosopher who has recently thrown the philosophy of loneliness back into the academic spotlight which is brilliant axel is the head of philosophy at bentley university in boston He organised a conference as well on the philosophy of loneliness in 2020 at the beginning of his research. And he also has a podcast called Loneliness and You, which is about the research and experience of loneliness. And it's usually from an academic lens. And it's well worth a listen to. I think it's brilliant. I ask Axel some questions about his work and what he's learned about loneliness from a philosophical perspective so far. Thank you so much for chatting to me.
1: Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Maybe you can explain a little bit about what you do and what your research into loneliness entails.
1: I'm a philosopher. My work is mostly in the philosophy of mind. I'm interested in things like consciousness and perception and in particular I'm interested in the social aspect of that so you know what really fascinates me is how minds hang together how minds come together how things like joint action shared experiences shared perception is possible and that's not a trivial question because you could think that our brains generate minds or at any rate correlated to minds and so you know each person with one brain has got their own mind but then you know we can connect these minds in really interesting ways and really important ways for social creatures like us And the key question at the heart of my research is how is that possible? So this is a question that you can think about philosophically, um, but you can also think about it psychologically and can think about it a little bit in terms of neuroscience as well. I've been working on this for a long time. A few years ago, I wrote a book and all of that and the book took for absolutely ever and then I I wanted a new topic that was a little bit less abstract and and more you know concerned with everyday problems And so I stumbled across loneliness, which at that time hadn't really been discussed much in philosophy. And in a way, you know, I came across it because I I saw it as sort of the flip side of what I had previously been doing. And what happens when um, the social connection that's so important for all of us isn't there? What happens to a person then? And, you know, what happens or may happen is that the person feels lonely. And so that's, you know, how I got started.
0: And how has your research been received in the wider world?
1: philosophers often don't communicate very much with the wider world and you can think and i sometimes think in weaker moments that that's a weakness of our discipline that we have become quite academic that we mostly talk to each other or perhaps you know we talk to people in adjacent disciplines and so i haven't really published very much that would you know address Loneliness in a way um, that would be accessible to the wider world. I'm hoping to do that. I'm hoping to soon um, write a book that is of a more popular character, but I haven't written it yet.
0: Right. And that's really interesting, actually, because it's sort of like you're describing philosophers as quite a lonely discipline.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think that's right. I think, you know, writing anything can be a very lonely thing to do, right? Unless you're writing it with somebody else. But, you know, if you're a natural scientist, then you have a lab and in the lab you do experiments and then you have people with whom you do the experiments. And so you have collaborators. And in philosophy, very often that doesn't happen. And, you know, pure philosophy, really pure philosophy is... Uh, you might think a sort of conceptual undertaking a conceptual analysis and that's really something that you know people do by themselves and yes you're right when i'm not teaching which is obviously um a big part of my job i'm i am very much on my own and by myself and so i think you're right in thinking that philosophy can be quite a lonely discipline Uh, like the book that i that i'm hoping to write will in fact look at you know some famous philosophical figures and investigate their lives and their work and from this lens of loneliness and you can think of characters like you know Nietzsche for example or Wittgenstein and you know these were probably really lonely individuals you might imagine this is somehow reflected in their work.
0: Just while you were talking I was thinking one thing that I also think that as I've been working on this podcast when people ask me what are you working on and I tell them I'm working on a podcast and it's about loneliness they kind of look at me like are you you all right? (laughs) Do you
1: you find that? (laughs) So so I don't find it that much. So, you know, I'm coming at this very much as, you know, the philosophy professor who investigates this, you know, but I definitely see what you mean. So, you know, sort of in in the past few decades, a particular strand in philosophy has become quite interested uh, in things like mental illness or depression. And the investigation of loneliness is sort of broadly in line with that strand of research. I, I think if you're really a purist philosopher who really only wants to think about the nature of truth and the nature of reference in linguistic expression or moral norms in a really abstract way, then it can perhaps strike you as a bit funny that, you know, philosophy would investigate these problems, our mental health problems.
0: You've mentioned that you do spend quite a lot of time by yourself when you're not teaching. What does loneliness mean to you on a personal level?
1: Briefly, like very briefly reflecting, you know, on the work, on loneliness that, you know, I have looked at and that I'm doing myself. It's really interesting that it's an incredibly hard to pin down phenomenon. It's really hard to say what that actually is. Different people are going to answer the question, what is loneliness for you in quite different ways. For me personally, uh, there have been periods in my life where I've been intensely lonely, not now. I, I spend a lot of time by myself, but just because you're by yourself doesn't mean that you're lonely necessarily. You can be very happy by yourself you can be a very happy hermit and you can be yes. you know very lonely socialite as well absolutely loneliness and so far as as it's motivated by my personal life experience for me it's happened when there were particular people who for some reason or other i wanted to be there and they weren't there so this is one kind of loneliness that in the literature is called episodic loneliness because it's tied to particular life events deaths breakups that's contrasted often with chronic loneliness where people just feel lonely no matter what this seems to be sort of an almost existential condition of their life i don't know that from personal experience i mean you know there there are people who argue controversially very controversially but there is a prominent argument that says that if we didn't at least have the capacity to experience loneliness whether it's exercised or not but if we didn't at least have the capacity to experience loneliness separation we couldn't be selves Right. We couldn't be yeah. the kinds of creatures who we are, where our mental mode of being is, is massively characterized by self-awareness. For us, self-awareness is very much at the, at the center of our experience. And, you know, you can think, some people think that, you know, if that's to be possible, then loneliness has to be possible too.
0: Like we can't be ourselves without being a bit lonely. If
1: that's true, other people think that, you know, that's not the correct view. That what makes ourselves is the opposite, is is togetherness with others. It's, it's the interaction with others that you learn to distinguish yourself from other people. And so then, you know, it's precisely not tied to loneliness, but to a social mode of being.
0: So you organized a conference on loneliness a couple of years ago. It would be great to just explain what that entailed. And and was there an overall takeaway from from that conference?
1: You know, the conference was virtual. So this was in 2020. It was really late. COVID. My motivation for organizing it was twofold. First of all, I often do that when I begin a new topic of research. Then I organize a conference because I want to hear what other people think basically and that you know helps me um to, to get going but then also uh, in philosophy up to that date there had been at least in contemporary philosophy there had been almost no work on loneliness interestingly weirdly um psychologists have worked a lot on it but in contemporary philosophy there was almost nothing there was one or two papers and I thought this is so weird because the discipline should have so much to contribute and so I wanted to kickstart that discourse and so that was the second reason for organizing this conference and it turned out to be much bigger than I thought it would be I had um, I think almost 200 guests and like 30, 40 speakers. So, you know, full philosophy conference, that's, that's really quite big. I think the takeaway really was that there is no unified way of thinking about loneliness. This is, you know, something that needs to be thought about pluralistically in different contexts.
0: There's a lot of work to be done
1: on it still. I think that's right. Yes. I think that um, we are conceptually only beginning to be able to describe it better, you know, for a long time, empirical work um, has been adopting versions of the definition of loneliness as something like the absence of desired social contact or something um the felt the painfully felt absence of desirable or desired social contact and that's not false but it, it's way too broad so so much and um we're now only beginning to you know make it more precise and distinguish it and describe it better and so there's loads of work to be done still yeah yes. yeah
0: I mean I, I know that maybe we're never going to be able to define it properly because it's so broad and so massive but it is really great that it is being spoken about in academic circles because on this podcast a lot of people that I've spoken to about this topic have always talked about that there's a shame in loneliness that there's this emotional shame and you're talking about how difficult it is to talk about it and I think it's because it's tied to that shame whereas when it's academic you just take the shame out of it if you're talking to 200 academics about this thing like there's no reason for anyone to feel ashamed in a way you know it's like quite validating
1: no so definitely you know it's it's a stigma right um it's it's you know and you see you can easily see that for yourself when you go to a party where you don't know anybody and everybody else knows each other and then they talk to each other and nobody really talks to you and um it's not only that this is in unpleasant but this is shameful somehow like you you know you feel that you are the loner without friends and and that's not only you know not not pleasant but something that's somehow your fault amazingly yeah. and uh, overcoming that i think is a vital aspect of um of this kind of research as of related issues you know sort of depression is, is sort of a similar story people feel the same that they're being that they're depressed um where you know there's that there's you wouldn't f- feel ashamed because you've got mumps or something but <laughs> yeah, for exactly. mental conditions you know you do and um academic work can do a lot to alleviate that absolutely by making it recognized as what it is which is an illness I mean, you know, not, not to say that loneliness necessarily is an illness. Loneliness is connected also to solitude, right? And solitude can be a beautiful thing. When we hear loneliness today, you know, historically that that wasn't always the case. This is this distinction between positive solitude and negative loneliness. That's about 200 years old, I think. And before mm-hmm. that, we, we didn't make that, that distinction really. But sometimes loneliness a bit of loneliness sort of can can also be a good thing because it tells you something it may tell you look you know so you should go out a bit more or something if it's not debilitating and doesn't make you you know retreat even more into your own shell which of course it can also do yeah
0: i mean i i think it's a really useful thing useful. i mean
1: you know one one of the most prominent uh, definitions or, or theories of, of loneliness in in psychology by somebody called um kachopo um a very prominent researcher is that uh, loneliness is like hunger. It's it's basically the social equivalent of hunger. So when you're hungry, then your body tells you that you need to eat something. And when you know if you're lonely on that view, then your body, mind, and body self tells you that you know you need to have more social contacts. And whilst I think you know that that is too uh, that falls short, that's too simple. Um, that doesn't do this complex phenomenon entirely justice. It's nevertheless an interesting thing to think. So the more i think about it the more i come to the view that loneliness is actually not directly a report on other people and their presence or absence but it's a kind of self-report i think that i think that the experience of oneself features very prominently um in loneliness um much more than it would feature in you know, somewhat related emotions, such as perhaps homesickness, um, you know, when you suffer from a broken heart, where also, you know, sort of there's something that should be there in your life, but it isn't there, right? Grief, also related, you know, sort of somebody who's died. But in these emotions, the focus is really on what's not there. And the more I think about loneliness is that I think loneliness is predominantly about yourself.
0: Yeah, I think when I interviewed a psychologist, the idea of loneliness being a kind of physical survival instinct did come up but um I guess this leads on to my final question very well bringing up Kachopo's theory that you know loneliness is like a social version of hunger has the topic of food ever come up in your research at all
1: so the answer is just no. There, there, you know, there is a philosophy of food that that is a thing. It's not something that I've I've encountered or really thought about philosophically. You know, this this will also have to do with the fact that I myself am not a, a foodie. You know, I'm, I'm not a very good cook. I I like cooking for for my friends, but you know, they they all know which of three dishes I can make they're going to get because it's only one of three. <laughs> i love eating salad you know i eat salad all of the time i i just think salad is the perfect food like you know salad with lots of stuff in it like i eat that literally every day and really? um and, I, yeah i
0: eat salad <laughs> <laughs> do you and if i eat a salad it has to be like a chunky salad with like loads of stuff in it so I forget that I'm eating a salad. So that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. I have I have to have other stuff in it as well, but it for me it's like the perfect f- meal. Like it's it's mostly raw and uh you know it's got all sorts of different veg in it and it's got different colors and uh, then a little bit of like sort of goat, goat cheese or something with it and a nice dressing and there you go. And it's like really healthy and good for you and it's substantial and um it's perfect. Just, I love it. Eat it every day. <laughs> that- I suppose I, I just got into this routine a routine. Like I'm, I'm very much a person of, of you know, routines. So sort of, I establish stuff and then I do it for the next decades. And I just got into this habit of like making salad and now I just make it. I don't even think about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Thank you to Axel for such an enlightening discussion about loneliness. I find the work that he's doing incredibly encouraging and important. I know that there are a lot of empirical studies like psychological studies and scientific studies on loneliness and there are also a lot of tangible solutions to loneliness being offered in society like support groups and schemes for the elderly and the isolated. But the fact that there are 200 people willing to go to a convention on the philosophy of loneliness to think conceptually about what loneliness is, is real progress to me because it says to the wider world that loneliness is worth thinking about. It's worth scrutinising and trying to get to the absolute bottom of it. And that shakes off the stigma surrounding it. When I said I hated salad, I think I might hate the idea of the salad and the kind of reputation that precedes it. I generally sort of associate it with anemic iceberg lettuce and over-processed dressings. But then when I make salad for myself and I trick myself into eating salads and I fill them full of delicious things, then I remember that I shouldn't be so hard on them and that they can be delicious. And like Axel says, they're actually really practical foods for the solo chef. So actually, I just think I hate being served a salad by someone else. I think I enjoy making them for myself. And I've actually spent this week making salads. (laughs) I've shared a recipe for one of my favourites on the podcast website. It's a goat cheese, lamb's lettuce, green bean, and grilled tin pears with an olive oil and lime dressing. And the reason I use tin pears, not fresh pears, I mean, you can use fresh pears if you like, but the reason I use tins is because I do actually think tins as well as salads are fantastic for the solo cook because it's much less preparation. And depending on what it is, It's quite often cheaper. You know, maybe the subject of Tin Food is a podcast for another time. For those of you who may have been listening to this podcast for a little while, you might have noticed some changes. Over the last couple of months, I've been cleaning up and editing episodes, and I've also moved the podcast and all of its recipes over to Substack, which is a platform for writers and journalists to publish their own work directly to subscribers. If you want, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletters, head to howtoeatalone.substack.com where I'll publish podcast episodes, recipes for one, and an additional monthly newsletter which will be all about loneliness and solitude of course you don't have to sign up for the substack to keep listening to this podcast it's still available on all the different podcasting channels the recipe as well as this episode are both up on the substack page now i've also posted links to axel's website to his work his podcast Loneliness and You, those are all up on the episodes page. You can also find out more information about this podcast or send me a message or let me know what you think on the Instagram page. The handle is at howtoeatalonepodcast. Thank you for listening to me. As always, I hope you've enjoyed being alone with me for this episode. I'll see you next time for the next episode of How to Eat Alone.